On today's Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, we are recapping UFC London 2. Did the sequel live up to the original? You're going to have to wait and see. We're recapping Bellator 283, a little bit of 1, 159, and a bevy of fight announcements, most prominently for that Abu Dhabi card called UFC 280. The people over in Abu Dhabi shedding out the big bucks for the big fights, and we're not complaining. All of this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, everyone, on this Monday recap edition of the show. I am one half of your hosting duo. I'm Noah Baker. I'm actually coming to you from the great state of Ohio today. I had to make another trip back to the great state um, for, for reasons I'll get into momentarily. And the man to my right also happens to be in the great state of Ohio. But that's not what I'm going to focus on today, Dom, because... I have to know, I have not heard how your trip to my state of Indiana went uh, just a couple days ago. So, Dominic Salee, the man to my right, uh, glad glad to see you looking well. It looks like you're out of your emo phase. Um, (laughs) How was the trip to Indiana? How are you doing? How's the family doing? It was very fun, man. It's uh, It was Metamora, confirmed. Little tiny town uh, in Indiana. It's just kind of an old Z old stores mom and pops some good you know homemade food and whatnot apparently though a lot of their stuff like the majority of the buildings and stores are weekend only so we went on a thursday but there were a few little shops that were still open we had a good time they got like um you're a gatlinburg uh vacation guy right you just went there the little gym mines where you get the bucket and then you run it through the mine and you wash it out a little yeah little sister did one of those there um, but it was cool. Just a good day to kind of escape, be out. It, it was nice out. It wasn't too humid over there in Indiana, I guess. Less humidity for you guys over there because it's mm-hmm. hot as shit here in Ohio, just one state to the east. But it was a good time. Now we're both here in Ohio. So, Noah, you came from Ohio to or from Indiana to Ohio. How was your trip back to the beloved BG that we hold so dear to our hearts? Yeah, it was bittersweet. Uh, it felt like I was kind of saying goodbye to, yeah. to, you know, it's like it's like leaving a, you know, when the, you you end on really good terms in a relationship, but you guys, you know, you're just growing apart. Mm. You know, you're moving. You know, can't do the long distance. You know, it just uh, it's bittersweet. But I will tell you, that's the kind of way that I want to go out, being absolutely miserable, because then I. It makes, <laughs> Because it's not going to make me want to go back. Right. right. I've said on this show how much I hate moving. Yes. So much so that when I moved out in January, I left like half my stuff. (laughs) You're like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm like, oh, I have a few months. I'll figure it out. Yeah. And then those few months came and I'm like, I haven't figured it out at all. (laughs) Right. So I I went up there in my little Ford Focus. And uh, yeah. Yeah. it was pretty terrible. Uh, that couch, I forgot what a behemoth that couch That's is. That's a big boy, yeah. Yeah, the plans kind of got changed. We were going to do a U-Haul, take it to the dump, I think is what I said. Um, we contacted every place in Bowling Green that rents out U-Hauls. None of them had any available. 
So then we contacted our landlord. They said it was okay to throw it all in the big dumpster, which they had completely changed their tune on from when we moved in. And they like were already about ready to give me a fine just for asking if I could throw stuff like that in our dumpster. But um, because of that, me and my roommate, uh, we, we, we took that couch to the dumpster. Um, my back will never be the same. I think I pulled, I think I pulled a quad. Um, I'm a little, I'm a little sore today. Yeah. Uh, guys, I'm a big guy. I get it. I'm supposed to be strong and shit, but I am washed up as shit. We're retired. I am a far cry from that guy a senior year of high school who was doing tire flips and shit. Like that yeah, just, yeah. You make me do a tire flip, and I'm probably just going to face plant on it. You're going to go down <laughs> with the tire. <laughs> so it was bittersweet, but at the same time, it was all business, just getting everything out of there. It's all done now. Um, we probably will have some money taken off the deposit because <laughs> yeah. uh, we thought – I he actually – I thought I had moved my, I thought I had taken my vacuum with me when I left. I don't, I have wood floors in, in my mm-hmm. apartment now, so I don't have it there. And my roommate's like, no, when I was there in March, I saw your vacuum there. And I'm like, oh, sweet. Okay. We'll have a vacuum there to get everything cleaned up. Uh, there was no vacuum. There. No so vacuum. No, mm-hmm. So those, uh, those carpeted floors just got no cleaning no. Done on them whatsoever. So. Uh, rest in peace to our housing deposit. L's in the chat for the housing deposit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was pretty terrible to be honest with you. And honestly, it just sucked because it, it the UFC having an early card and I'm yeah. doing this and I'm like watching uh, the fights. But I basically the entire prelims, I was either moving stuff or I was driving home and I was listening to the fight to be audio. Yeah. A bit of a compromised experience, but. Went back and watched what I missed later. Would have been more excited to do that under a, a different card, I guess. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, of course, I got to watch all the main card in person, and that was a little bit better. But I guess we'll start there, Dominic, as we transition into UFC London two. I don't know if that's how you want to. <laughs> yeah, it's just right. UFC London, I guess. But um, Dominic, I, I asked in the in the little intro we did today did the sequel live up to the original? You know, a lot of times I'm a big movie guy. The second one, a lot of times it pales in comparison to the first. Mm-hmm. When it came to the second London card, the UFC unplanned. The card in March was so massive, such a big success. They decided to come right back in July. Did it live up to the hype? <laughs> well, <laughs> let's just say, Part three is probably not going to happen in 2022. Um, but listen, I said on Thursday, if this card is half as good as it was in March, we're in for a great night. It didn't quite make it to the halfway mark, but there still are some shining moments, some diamonds in the rough that we will discuss. Um, but yeah, I mean, the crowd is what makes these London events. So all things considered, they still showed up when it was deserved to do so and get loud. Um, so they show out for their, you know, the UK guys and gals that fight over there. So it's still cool, the atmosphere and whatnot. Good for them, by the way. They, the UFC hadn't been there in quite some time, so to give them two shows um, is very nice. I'll just say Columbus did pretty good if the UFC wants to come back to Ohio. Just saying, you know, we, we can get a part two maybe. But it was fun, but it didn't live up to the one in March. But again, how many cards in the history of the yeah. UFC can live up to that first UFC London card back in March? So it is what it is. But really, and that's kind of what this headline is, the caption, MMA gods giveth, they taketh away. The main event, 
couldn't have been a worse ending to what this card kind of came into it with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we might have said that last week with our main event yeah, yeah. Long Island, which was four minutes, pretty fun first four minutes between Brian Ortega and Yair Rodriguez. But then when the shoulder popped out of place, which I am seeing more people come around on that finish and are kind of saying, well, that's kind of caused by what Yair was doing. I've seen know, that. Brian pulling that out. So maybe we were a little harsh on kind of the, the implications of that. But we said there we thought there wasn't a worse way that that main event could finish. Well, the next week, hmm. literally you get 15 seconds. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Just a, and, you know, Dom, I, when I was going to sum up this card in just like a couple words, I'll do one word, and it's disappointing, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's disappointing. It was never good. It, it was never going to be able to live up to what happened. Of course. In life. I mean, that was just a magical yeah. day. You know, all of the, the the London faithful getting to watch their guys and girls, like for the most part, do a sweep and do yeah. fantastic fights across the card. Uh, it wasn't a complete sweep. I know, like Jai Herbert lost on that card. Uh, right. Uh, Corey McKenna lost, but then you had Tom Aspinall rising to the occasion. Patty Kemper, yeah. of course, Molly McCann, all doing great things. And this card, the prelims, oof. Ooh, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of a lot of stinkers. Yeah. Some 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 shining performances, but ultimately just not a lot of fun fights on there. Yeah. The main card started out much better, and then ultimately you get to the main event. Co-main, we'll get into, mm-hmm. but then like the main event, if it had really lived up and been just a either triumphant showing for either of the guys or just been a really good fight it might have saved it but yeah. unfortunately uh, they couldn't quite bring it home yeah. uh, curtis blades is credited with tko due to injury over tom aspinall 15 seconds into round one there's really nothing to talk about with the fight here i mean tom aspinall very aggressive out the gate uh, looking to put the wrestler curtis blades on his back foot um looked like we were gonna have a fun fight for yeah sure. i know yeah. and then ultimately tom aspinall lands a a kick to the thigh of curtis mm-hmm. blades and either the impact of the kick or the landing of his leg afterwards uh causes a complete uh mess up of his knee yeah he's unable to continue in a lot of pain not able to walk he was trying to walk out of there couldn't yeah. walk on it so they had to cart him out uh, it's. It, I mean, it's. It took the wind out of the sails for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a very disappointing finish, and we're just gutted for Tom Aspinall. It was such a big moment for him. Yeah, you know, following what was just. I mean, a star-making performance against Volkov, and here was supposed to really confirm that this guy is what we have all been kind of saying he can be, which is a future title challenger, future yeah. champion, <clears throat> and to go down like that. I mean, you're just gutted for the guy. Yeah. But that's really all you can say about the fight itself. Yeah. So, Dominic, I'm going to ask you, as far as what we can talk about discussion-wise, uh, hopefully Tom Aspinall, I did see our buddy uh, Branson actually sent us a little post that uh, it may be an MCL injury. That was what someone on Twitter was saying. And if so, like six-week recovery time. Yeah. Then it would probably be a, quite a few months before he's back in. So we're kind of hoping it's not an ACL tear. That's kind of what we're Holding for other either way, Tom Aspinall, no doubt he'll be back. He'll be better than ever, I hope. Uh, but we'll talk about Curtis Blades because yeah, this was a big fight for him. I mean, it, no doubt it was. He does get the win, but 
what if you're the UFC and even if you're Curtis Blades, I mean, what do you do next? What do you go from here? Because you can't fault him for this, but you know, how much credit can you give him or what can you really do with him next since this is such a kind of nothing fight? Yeah, it's tough, man. I kind of, when I was tweeting about this last night, obviously the speedy recovery to Tom Aspinall, but then for Curtis, the the guy consistently finds himself in these kind of rock in a hard place type situations in this heavyweight division because he's, he's won big fights, but the biggest of the big he has lost, two to Francis, one to Derek Lewis. Now he kind of, he had that big bounce back win. He knocked out uh, Chris Dawkins back in March, which was super impressive, kind of put away the second uh, up-and-comer in this heavyweight division with the first being Tom Aspinall that he was going to fight last night, and then this result happened. So, yes, while it's terrible for Tom Aspinall to be injured and go out that way, it's not what Curtis Blades wanted either. Like, yeah, it's a win on his record, but he kind of acknowledged it, uh, was very humble, uh, you know, the way that he treated the situation and whatnot. And, you know, Curtis Blades does deserve more respect. I really think he does. I kind of hinted at it on Thursday, and I think it just kind of stays the same here. For him to take this fight... Against another up and comer in London, you know, on enemy territory, I think just says a lot that Curtis Blades is so dedicated to getting to that title shot and doing whatever mm-hmm. it takes to get there. So I, I hope that he can get like a top five matchup, but the way the division is laid out right now, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, maybe like I, I can't even say that. Tai Tu Vasiragan fight in a couple weeks or yeah, a few weeks now on September 3rd. But I feel like should Ty win, the UFC is really going to want to push him forward. If Cyril wins, maybe you could do Cyril gone and Curtis Blades. But I don't know. I just he's he's finding himself in another tough spot. I mean, what if like Sergey Pavlovich, for example, beats Derek Lewis this coming weekend? Maybe the UFC will make Curtis Blades fight him. Like I mm-hmm. I just I don't know what they're going to do with him. I just wish that he could stay in that top five fight, another top five guy but there's just too much up in the air right now in this division. Francis is out. We don't know if we're getting John and Stipe. Gone and Tuivasa are fighting on September 3rd. It's like no one's even available for Curtis right now, and he's he's fresh, fresh off a of training camp, didn't even have to have a fight. He wants to probably fight as soon as he can to stay in shape. I don't know what they're going to do. So I imagine Curtis would love to get right back in there. Yeah. But I also think that he is self-aware of his situation. Yeah. He was able to get this win. No matter how confident he was, you know, he kind of, it's almost a bit of a like, uh, what, like you pass, go, collect a couple hundred dollars. Like you kind of a free pass, a free space. You know, you kind of didn't have to take any damage. You're credited with the win against a really tough opponent. Let me toss you a scenario here. So right now we're kind of operating under the assumption John Jones versus Stipe Miocic will be fighting for an interim heavyweight title, maybe November. Yeah. That's what the working kind of plan seems to be for the UFC and the fans seem to be buying into that. Believe it when you see it. Sure. But (laughs) at the same time, I think that's pretty clear what they're trying to do. Yeah. So if that's the case, if I'm Curtis blades, I not even if I'm not Curtis blades, but if I'm looking at this heavyweight division right now, it feels like this, this fight, and the fight in, in Paris in September between Cyril Gaon and Taito Ivasa is almost like a mini tournament. Yeah. Um, so I think he should still get the winner of that Tuivasa Cyril Gaon fight. Interesting that you mentioned that they might try to push Tuivasa for a title fight if he wins. You could be right, especially if he gets like some 
just spectacular knockout yeah. over Cyril Gaon, you know, of all people. Um, that would be quite incredible. It might be easier to sell if Cyril Gaon wins, yeah. maybe if it's even not the most exciting fight. You know, not a lot of people will probably be clamoring to get him another title shot if that's the case. Right. You can easier sell Curtis Blade and Cyril Gaon at that point. Yep. But I feel like if if we get that title fight, interim title fight in November, the winner of that's going to probably not fight until Nganu gets his situation resolved with the UFC, which could be, and who knows what's going to happen there. Nganu wants to box Tyson Fury. I mean, yeah. it's, it is up in the air, but I do think in the meantime, Curtis Blade's next opponent should be the winner of that fight in September. That is what I hope we yeah. see, and that's what should happen. Yeah, I like that. I wouldn't complain one bit about it. It really did feel like the four and six, the one and three, final four winners fight each other. So hopefully that's the case. Yeah. Well, I guess that's really all we have for the main event, but we're going to move down just a couple spots on the card, Dom. Yeah, look at that headline. Dominic literally made sure he put every letter Letter for letter the way I had it on our sheet. (laughs) So much respect to the craft, the craftsman that is Dominic Salee. Our, our our engineer or whatever you want to call him here on the show. Uh, Patty Pimblett, definitely the big standout here on the card. I mean, this was the highlight of the card was him and Molly McCann, who we'll talk about Again, later. Again, you know, those two. Yeah. yeah. And Patty Pimblett gets it done. His toughest opponent in the UFC, Jordan Levitt, he's able to get the submission win in round two, two minutes, 46 seconds in. Very nice looking uh, uh Shit, rear naked choke. For some reason, yeah. I always want to say, I always want to say guillotine went to rear naked and rear naked went to guillotine. Yeah. He had the he had the arm locked up in the body triangle. I mean, it was a really nice little finish there for him. Finishing sequence started with that nasty knee. Yeah. Um, just great stuff. Uh, this was actually a pretty fun fight. Um, it was, I've been, I try not, I'm trying not to be, I'm not trying to be critical of Patty Pimblett. I guess I have been, but it's more been critical of, I guess, just the, the hype and uh, right. the, the response that he seemed to get over his first couple fights in the UFC where he was fighting guys that were maybe UFC caliber. I mean, I don't even think Ben Romini's in the company anymore, but then Kazula Vargas has kind of been just there. Yeah. Um, this felt like the proper, you know, this felt like a proper step up. It felt like, Okay, good. We're we're giving him a legit opponent here. Jordan Levitt, a tough guy, been on the contender series, has only lost once in the UFC. I believe that wasn't that to Claudio Puelles or my I yeah, yeah, Claudio. Yeah, so like that Claudio's a really good fighter himself. Yeah. So and this was a guy who maybe had a grappling advantage over Patty, we thought. So it'd be interesting to see if he had to win a fight on the feet, how that might go. That wasn't really how the fight played out. Jordan Levitt was very adamant about getting this fight to the ground. Um, first round, a lot of clinching, a lot of work up against the cage, a lot of control time for Jordan Levitt. We kind of know now, at least we think. Not sure how what that does for him on the scorecards. Right. In the round one, things pick up a little bit. A really nice end to the round for Patty Pimblett. I would probably argue that got him the round. That's what I thought, yeah. Because, um, again, if they're going off the damage, that was definitely the most – you know, statement part of that round. Yeah. Uh, round two comes and Patty Pimblett able to really, I don't really remember how like the first half of his round went, to be honest with you. I kind of like, I feel like I remember round one so clearly and round two, I kind of don't, 
fill in the blanks for me here because I know when the finishing sequence comes, but how did the like first half of round two go in your eyes? Yeah, Jordan still did what he basically did in round one, pushed Patty back to where he could get him on the fence, tried to clinch him up, tried to drag him down, but Patty, much more successful in that clinch in the second round, did land that knee. That's what kind of started it down to the ground transitioning. Patty very, very slick down there. That's what I wanted to see was them two not necessarily in the clinch like a lot of the first round, but on the ground, what are we going to do with these two? And Patty showed that the skill set that he was known for in Cage Warriors, bringing it over now to the UFC, uh, the way that you kind of already talked about it, but that he trapped that arm with the body triangle. You do not see people do that very often. And that really kind of secured that choke too, because when you're only fighting with one hand versus two, you're probably not going to be able to fight it off. And he locked, locked in that rear naked, got Jordan uh, to tap. And then of course, teabagged like it was modern warfare 2 as he so eloquently said in the post fight yes to two teabags that's a pretty good number that's about what i would do in modern warfare 2 i suppose Mm. um i really just felt like i don't know fight week was a little weird between these two because they seemed a lot more respectable respectful last night and kind of playful they kind of laughed it off at the end hugged embraced whatever Mm. and then patty just really nailed the whole interview from start to finish started very fun talked about the teabagging and whatnot but then you know, to his friend that uh, passed away recently due to mental health issues and whatnot, and kind of really gave his platform that he's so looked at as a fun, crazy, quirky guy, the barstool guy, right? I Mm -hmm. thought that was a great part of the evening, but they didn't make that switch and be so serious and really talk about something that you don't hear about often, especially from athletes with his platform, because really Khalil Roundtree did great in a post-fight interview a few months ago, but Patty did it there in the cage, which was even bigger on a bigger platform. Obviously, his following is um, huge. So for those, shout out Khalil Roundtree, of course, and Patty Pimlet. What he did last night, I think, was a lot and raised his stock even more than what the performance did. Yeah, I mean, I just was completely impressed. You know, yeah. I, This was the first time I walked away from a Patty fight. It was just glowing with positives. I mean, yeah. sure, you can look at some stuff in the, in the round one and round two, and maybe you – might have some pause. Maybe some of you thought he might just run through mm-hmm. Jordan Levitt, but I, I feel like I get it. Everybody, like, we all love Patty Pimlet. I mean, how can yeah. you not? Yeah. And especially after last night, I mean, that guy just aced everything. Yes, he did. The finish, everything in the aftermath. Yeah, like, I mean, maybe he shouldn't have teabagged him, but I mean, I mean, it was. He wasn't like directly over his head, you know. It was just that was, was a part of the lead up. It was going to be a teabag yeah. or a twerk, you know yeah, what I mean? I mean? It is what, yeah. You 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 call for it, you know. Jordan Levitt didn't seem all that peeved about it. Right, I yeah. understand what 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 he you know signed up for. And you're right, he gets pretty serious on the mic, and yeah, he, he's known to do that. I believe he did that in his last uh, fight too. I don't remember. See, I don't know my. I'm not yeah. very in in, in uh, intertwined with the. European culture, but he did have something to say um, at his last fight that was very introspective. And, mm-hmm. um, I know a lot of people in that area were really behind what he was talking about. I can't remember exactly what it's about, so I apologize. But here, you know, this is something that strikes a chord with guys like us, I'm sure, where, mm-hmm. you know, it does feel like when it comes to mental health, you know, we, you know, we, we, we might be of the, this generation where, you know, a lot of people look at it like we're all kind of like babied and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, like none of us know how to work or what, I don't know. We don't know how people kind of view our generation. Right. like right. Um, But I, I kind of remember growing up, it was a lot of like man up and, you know, yeah. just, 
and I feel like that kind of stigma of like you know a guy trying to get help if he is having issues um was very much a part of growing up for us and it's just nice to see guys like khalil like patty use their platforms these are some of the toughest guys in the world yeah i mean these are literal badasses who go in there and fight put their lives on the line their their bodies on the line and then they go in there and say, if you're struggling, get help. There's nothing yeah. wrong with getting help. And um, I just have a lot of respect for that. Um, but, Dominic, I do want to ask you a little bit about Patty Pimblett. Mm-hmm. Just not even, like, who's next for him. Because I do think, you know, I would love to see an opponent even better than Jordan Levitt as his next uh, opponent. But I'm not sure who that would be. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you're in 155. Whew. Shark we're, we're, tank. Getting, we're getting closer and closer to the Shark Tank part of this. I mean, Jordan Levitt might not have quite been a guy that I viewed as like a top, you know, fifteen potential, but yeah, um, it feels like after this, that's kind of the direction we're going. Is we're getting into those guys that have a lot of potential, higher ceilings, maybe. Yeah, but I want to focus more on like when we should see Patty Pimblett fight again because in my eyes. You've done all these shows with him in London, and obvious for obvious reasons. I mean, yeah. he's, he's the biggest star on the card. He's the reason these fans are probably showing up. Yes, for Tom Aspinall, Molly McCann, sure, but Patty Pimblett's the biggest guy in that region. He's their guy right now. Yeah. So, to me, though, if you want to take the next step, take him to New York City in November. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that'd be the next big thing, right? He said he wants to fight one more time before the end of the year. We know that they're going to stack that card in November. You got to figure they'd want a guy like Patty Pimblett to be on there, man. And it is just a matter. I've saw people already calling for top 15 and stuff. And, you know, I'm not necessarily opposed, but I think there are just so many guys on the outside looking in that are still so good in this division that there's nothing wrong with Patty getting one more and then top 15. He He had no problem slow playing his way into the UFC, knowing when the time was right to come. Mm-hmm. And he's going to take his time here in the UFC as well. And I, I really did feel like they've kind of leveled up each fight he's had, but Jordan Levitt was like a significant step up and it did make a lot of sense. And it showed in the octagon. It was a good fight. So I'm not going to necessarily, I'm, I am one to talk about rankings a lot for some guys, but I'm going to pause just because of how crazy this division is. Call me crazy. But I kind of like the idea of like a Patty and like a Joel Alvarez type of fight. You know, Joel somebody Alvarez. like that. Yeah, like someone that has been on the cusp of getting in. He lost that fight to Armand Saryuki. And so Armand obviously pressed forward Joel on the step back. But I just feel like that guy is still such a Swiss Army knife. The length that he has, his jiu-jitsu, but he's showing um, improved striking. Patty going to be undersized, but very well-rounded in his own right. No slouch on the ground. I think that would be... A really fun fight. Again, maybe a fighter not a lot of people know about, but if you're really a hardcore fan and you look at the depth of this division, Alvarez is a legitimate like threat to get into the top 15 one day. I think that'd be a sick fight. I Something agree. like that. I agree. I also think that fight might be a little bit close, too close to the sun. Mm. And again, this is just our differences and kind of where we probably right. view Patty right now. I did see one guy kind of call him out on Twitter a little bit. Matt Favola. I think would be a very Ooh, that's a good fight. Yeah. That's, again, I would consider him a step up from Jordan Levitt, but probably a step behind Joel Alvarez right now. Yeah. Favola, yes, he had like the seven second knockout loss to Terrence McKinney, but make no mistake, the guy's very talented. Yeah. Very yeah. talented and great wrestler. 
So I think that could be another just interesting dynamic. And you could easily sell that on a main card in New York City. I mean, Patty Pimblett, especially now he's w- with Barstool, Barstool headquartered in New York. In New York. Yeah. And I loved having the Barstool. Kind that was of awesome. Influence on the card. Uh, Dave Portnoy in the crowd along with uh, uh, Robbie Fox and Cruz. So yeah. it was just it, – it really added something, I thought, just having that kind of story throughout the card, seeing those guys with the wigs on and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it wasn't overbearing. It wasn't like a distraction, but it was just a nice addition. And I think if you brought it to New York City, you're going to have like all of Barstool there. And, yeah. yeah. Um, some of you may roll your eyes at that, but we're, we're Barstool fans, so we we would love to see that. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that's the obvious card you put him and Molly on, who we'll talk about again in a little bit. But yeah, um, to me, uh, again, I want a step up. That's uh, I I don't like these like I don't like when a lot of fighters get like stagnant steps like in, mm-hmm. or lateral moves. Like if you win, I feel like you should be kind of moving up, and that's why I don't really care who the next opponent is. I hope it's like a like a Frivola would make a lot of sense. What if? Like a Terrence McKinney. Terrence fights August 6th. That would be an interesting yeah, fight. They've chirped a little bit on Twitter. In yeah, the past. Ter- that is, I that's love Terrence. Fight. love Terrence McKinney, you know. Yeah. That, I mean, that's really where we're getting into with Pat, yeah. right? And, and this is kind of where I start. Every time out, I'm going to be like, I don't know if he's going to win. Yeah. That's really the range we're getting into with Patty, which maybe his fans aren't there yet. Like a lot of the people who may be even more on the casual side or just maybe love him so much and view him right. as like a real like guy to maybe go and chase a title at some point. Mm-hmm. But for me, like I'm going to be so invested if Patty starts fighting guys like that, because oh, yeah. I may even favor him to lose in a lot of those fights. And that, and that would just be a very interesting dynamic because he's going to be obviously the A side in any of those. hundred percent. Uh, more on this card to come. Of course, we have a lot of fights to talk about there, even if, uh, you know, there was a lot of duds, but there was a lot of big performances and big fights to talk about as well. Let's go into Bellator 283 for a minute, Dom. <laughs> oh, this headline cracks me up. Um, the the headlining bout between Jason Jackson and Douglas Lima ends in a five-round unanimous decision. Jason Jackson, 50-45s across the board. Yeah, uh, Douglas Lima showing up, uh, I guess it was a pound and eight. I forgot about that part. 1.8 pounds overweight. He was 172.8 pounds. Um, This was, uh, this was kind of what I feared this fight was going to be. Yep. It was literally like my worst fear of this fight. It was like the most obvious outcome. (laughs) And I was hoping so badly that Douglas Lima could make this more of a fight. Yeah. And he just didn't. And and the, the signs were there when, when he weighed in and he missed weight, it was, I just, yeah. I think this was kind of the final nail in the coffin in terms of Douglas Lima as a top level guy in Bellator. I think um, I hate to talk like that. You know, I don't like to 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 be kind of overly negative on these guys, especially when they're heading towards the end of their career. You don't want to pile on, you know. Yeah. But, um, I, my bigger takeaway, like Jason Jackson, biggest win of his career, but. Mm-hmm. I can't be all that I, like I don't I don't have a lot of glowing things to say about him either just because yeah. I mean it was a pretty dull fight um, even I mean really by the championship rounds I was sort of checked out I just yeah. I knew what the outcome was inevitable at that point yeah and um, for Douglas Lima great career 
But um, again, I'm not going to uh, – maybe I've done this before on the show. I won't be the guy that's going to, like, cl- cl- uh, clamor or uh, call for a retirement. That's his decision. And, you know, they know best when it's time to walk away, or I hope someone in their camp kind of knows. But I would just say I don't need to see Douglas Lima fight again. I don't feel like I really need it anymore. Yeah, um, I'm sure there's some fun fights you could match up with him uh, against some guys maybe that are of a similar state. But I don't know. It's a dis- it's it's been a disappointing really run for Lima's really since we started this podcast. Yeah, seen Lima really in this kind of state, and he just hasn't been able to turn it around. And there was no sign of life here from him. That that's my takeaway from this fight. Did you did you have any other takeaways outside of that? No, almost as if he's just checked out. You know, this is a guy that is only 34, but has so many fights. That was his 43rd professional fight, 21st in Bellator. He's just been at the top of the game over there for so many years. You have to like dwindle away at some point. And that's all this kind of was. That's four losses in a row now, all via unanimous de- or a decision, I should say. Um, none of which have really even shown any signs of positivity for Douglas Lima. It's only gotten worse, arguably, throughout that stretch. For Jason Jackson, that was his fifth or sixth win in a row, but those are all via decision. So while he is a great fighter, he's going to crack into the top three. He's not necessarily showing anything too wild and crazy to make that whole interim and undisputed title you know, talk any much more in his favor, right? We talked about that on Thursday with Logan Storley kind of sitting there. Well, is he going to defend the interim belt? Because we know Amazov is still kind of out doing his thing with the war. Uh, across the world there but now it's like eh, mvp may just get that rematch after he gets done bare mm-hmm. knuckle boxing in august i mean i really do think that while it is a big win the biggest win for jason jackson it doesn't necessarily put him in any better position than he was coming into the fight that's the real shame of it because this yeah. is his biggest win but and it from a sporting perspective, if you're viewing it as a sport, he should be next. Right. Him and Storley right. is what I would assume for just continuing to defend that interim title. But you're right. It's it, Look, he's good. He's very good. Yeah. But it's just not exciting. I mean, is that – I mean, I'm kind of tiptoeing around it, but that's the real truth of it. In terms of entertainment, Jason Jackson just hasn't provided much. Yeah, at a certain point, you just need that big, impactful win. Yeah, and, and it just doesn't have more, it yet. Maybe that's more of what it is. I mean, we, I am not every fighter has to be like, you know, MVP. Like has, like, right? You know, you don't have to be like a wild, you know, electric yeah. striker to, yeah. to to be, you know, someone that we love and respect as a fighter. I mean, you know, Habib Nurmagomedov didn't always have the most exciting right. fights, but you just had the love and respect that guy because he came in and I mean, he would put, I mean, just drown people and put yeah. them away. Um, Jason Jackson, not doing a lot of that. It's, it's very, it doesn't seem to ever kick a second gear. It's uh he's very, you know, forceful with his style and gets it there. And that's a credit to it. But once he's getting a fight to the ground, there's no, there's nothing, you know, there doesn't seem to be any sort of, um, there's no really look for the finish. It feels like he sort of just coast. And well, yeah, not to like you know, I'm not transitioning, but you look at UFC London last night, March Casey's fight. The past two fights he's had are kind of like what we're discussing here. Because did you hear the commentary during that 
with Bisbing and Paul Felder. Just like we recognize his greatness and we we recognize his potential, but he's not doing anything to yeah. fight and climb to that potential that they know that he has. Copy and paste that here with, I think, Jason Jackson's situation. Now, I'll tell you, I only heard the commentary because I was driving home. Yeah. Right so yeah. I, I got to listen to the commentary more than I ever do for these fights. And Right. Yeah, I mean, that's how I felt here. It's just like, sure, he should be next, but it's gonna. It's not like we're going to be like, you know, in his corner, like being like, give this guy the title fight. Like, if he doesn't get, if he gets passed up, I mean, it's kind of hard to like, right, really shield any of the blame on Bellator there. Like, yeah, Logan Storley has been in some fun fights, but he's coming off of what's being viewed as kind of a boring showing against MVP, where he really just looked to. Yeah. That's when a lot of people didn't think he should have won that fight. And really, if you go off of the whole damage, right, of course. Ruling, I mean, he probably clearly shouldn't have won that fight. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, there might be some fear with putting Storley and Jackson together because, I mean, maybe that would make fireworks, but I also could see that just being a very dull fight at the same time. I mean, I like Logan Storley a lot. I don't want to like compare him here because right. I do think he's more he has shown a little bit more in terms of excitement but yeah it's just it's it's hard to really just walk away positive too much on Jason Jackson it just it is what it is yep that's all it is yeah more on Bellator 283 there is some exciting stuff on that card that we'll be getting into but uh Dominic let's get into some fight announcements what 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 a week we've not had a week like this in a while with just big banger fight announcements back to back to back. Yeah, this was you're, awesome. You're right. And I mean, we thought we were on top of it Thursday when we were. <laughs> yeah, of music. course. We had gotten one right before with yeah. uh, Peter Yan, Sean O'Malley. But then right after we got done recording, right after. <laughs> so we'll start with UFC 279, September 10th. This is the card, of course, now headlined Nate Diaz, Hamza Chimaev. Still can't believe that fight's happening. UFC announced it last night, too. Yes, they did. And on likely the, the main card for this event, we'll see Johnny Walker taking on Jan Kudelava at light heavyweight. Maybe not a big fight, especially considering where Johnny Walker has kind of gone to. But uh, with Johnny Walker trying to change his style and be a lot more – yeah. Um, uh, technical or maybe more defensively sound. Um, this is a great matchup for a guy in Kudalaba who is going to force him into that fire, I do believe. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I think, too. You know, Kudalaba has been in the top 15 before looking to crack back in. Kind of, I mean, that's a guy that does have more losses than wins in the UFC, but the, he's really never necessarily in a boring fight. Maybe one or two here or there. Johnny Walker more prominent to those lately than not so memorable fights. So I think, you know, Johnny being still in the top 15, obviously he wants to hold his spot, but I think it's much more than that. I think a little bit of that, again, I've kind of, I think I've said this before, but he needs to find that old Johnny with the new Johnny and kind of perfectly mix those two together. You really could be onto something then. So yeah. I think there is still potential in Johnny Walker, but with each passing fight, how high it goes seems to come down so i think he's in in need dare i say of a big performance slash finish i really yeah, I feel like i'm kind of already given up on johnny walker in terms of like he could still be in this range yeah but considering where we thought he could get to it's it's quite a, a disappointment yeah um i just to me i 
I like the idea of what you're pitching, like kind of mixing the two, the best of the two. But I just can't help but look at at his best in the UFC was him being kind of that chaotic fighter and yeah. kind of going for the highlight real finish. I almost think he if he changes that, it just stops him from being effective. Yeah, or there yes, is no I, middle ground. Like yeah. I understand trying to like it's not a bad idea to implement some smarter game plans and yeah. like more defensively sound fighting and maybe more range striking, whatever it might be. But I feel like he's just not quite frankly good enough to really yeah. compete like that. It seems like due to his athleticism, his size and his power. He was able to really make something work with being a bit chaotic, a bit yep. unpredictable. And that's where Kudalaba has had his most success is that he is just overtly aggressive. I mean, right. that first fight with Ankalaev is just one of the weirdest 44 seconds you'll ever see in your life. Mark Otter <laughs> was so confused. He stopped the fight. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and Kudalaba is just a, an odd – I mean, they – his stare downs. I mean, it's all just. I mean, what a show this could be. But uh, crazy. I really think um, this fight is pretty much tailor made for Johnny Walker to have that kind of performance. Yeah. So if he doesn't get it, if Kudalava, you know, hunts him down, or even if Walker wins, but it just ends up being just a super dull fight, again, might be kind of the end of the road. I mean, like, not talk, saying he's going to get cut, but like, right. Probably not a whole lot more high-profile matchups to get him. I mean, this is already a step back from Jamal Hill and Tiago Santos and stuff like that. Yeah. After this, he may be prelim guy. I mean, that's really what you're kind of facing here. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's talk about UFC 280. That's the big. This bomb is bomb. This is shaping up to be something special. Say what you will about Abu Dhabi. I get it. You know, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, but. They are shedding out some money Mm -hmm. because the UFC are absolutely stacking this card. We got three fight announcements that have come out for this card. Benil Dariush will be taking on Matos Gamrat, um, number six versus number eight in the lightweight division. Marina Rodriguez taking on Amanda Lemoche, number three versus number eight. And lastly, (laughs) yeah. UFC Paris's uh, original fight between Caitlin Chukagian and Manon Fior, a fight that started with Chukagian versus Fior. Chukagian fell out, in step Jessica Andrade. Andrade fell out, in steps Caitlin Chukagian. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's being moved from UFC Paris to UFC 280 yeah. as if it needed it. Yeah, exactly. And now we have three just pretty big, meaningful fights for their divisions. On this card already, that's already got almost its entire main card just filled out. Yeah. So, I mean, really, we can just kind of start. Where Where do you? I mean, I feel like Darius Gamrot's kind of the big one here. It's so a sick maybe, fight. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that one first. Um, when you look at this matchup, are you happy with the way this shaped up? Like, do you are you do you think it's? I mean, a great fight, but is this the fight that you felt like uh, makes sense for both guys next? Yeah, I'm just happy to see Benil fighting again. I hate that he's fighting backward, but again, I'm happy with this match at the same time. It's kind of weird. Benil, the dude, is just so... I don't know if he's not even, like... Is he disrespected? Is he underappreciated? Is he underrated? Maybe a little bit of all three of those words, but the guy's on, like, a huge win streak right now, but he's still fighting number eight. 
It is what it is. We've said that a few times. Shout out Max Holloway. But I think this is a great fight. Him and Matos Gamrod here. Gamrod looking to crash into the title contender range because we know he cracked into the top 10 after beating Armand Saryukian and a razor close main event that was so great earlier uh, in or in June. So it's a great fight. I think it's going to test Matos in a lot of areas we haven't seen. For Benil, does he still have it? Can he kind of set this guy aside and really solidify himself as a title contender? I wish I could say Benil wins and gets a title shot, but it's a lightweight division, and you can't do that in this division. So it is an awesome fight, and I, I'm happy at the end of the day that they booked that one. It makes sense. I have, I have to go pee. Well, I feel much better. I, I got my Good. pee up, so <laughs> I had some time to, to think about <laughs> Yeah, yeah. and Gamrot. No, it's, I love the fight for Gamrot for sure. I mean, this is what we needed to see next for him. He got that win over Saryukin, even if we didn't feel like it was – a win, it's a win, according to the judges, and yeah. he looked really good in the fight. So, mm-hmm. of course, he should be fighting a guy like this. I feel terrible for Dariush. I feel terrible for him. I mean, you're right. Like, I'm just happy I'm going to see him back. It's a great fight. It may not be as impactful to the division as it should be. Ooh, yeah. yeah. But for Dariush, he was supposed to fight Islam. Still our highest performing episode or clip or whatever on YouTube to date, I think. Isn't that right? Is it that fight? I believe so, yeah. Oh, yeah, him and uh, Islam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Islam, Darius. The fight that never happened, of course. course. Still our highest performing clip. But um, to go from that, and Dana was still, even after Islam fought, Bobby Green was saying that those two needed to fight. That fight clearly, if Benil won, would have probably earned him that earned his stripes. He would have probably got a ton of respect. Yes. And then probably got a title fight off of it. Now you're going to up against a guy who is arguably just as dangerous as Islam, mm-hmm. but maybe has even less credibility than Islam at this point, less of a name than Islam, less hype, even though he is building and he's ranked lower and is maybe less close to a title fight. So it's a tough draw for Benil, but I mean, the way the matchups were all working out, it kind of felt inevitable that he was going to get kind of stuck being the the one, the flag bearer, the kind of the gatekeeper in, in the court of sort of the, the round table of lightweights. Cause we have our title fight set. Islam did get the shot. Yep. It feels like Poirier Chandler may be the fight that they're going to look to make. Even if both guys don't seem all that interested in it, but every yeah. all the fans do, and the UFC, I surely would love to put that in November. Yeah, and then yeah. you know, you just unfortunately for him, he's just kind of Justin Gaethje, of course, surgery like won't be fighting for a while, and Benil just needed to get back in there. Yeah, but I mean, that doesn't mean he can't come out of this looking good. I mean, if he goes in there and wins this, I mean. I think a lot of people are going to favor Gamrod in this fight. So yes, I would say Neil to what you're saying, being maybe a little overlooked, a little underestimated, he could really come in and remind people just how good he really is. Hundred percent. So it's kind of. I think it can be a win-win for both guys. To obviously based on who wins and who loses, but um, it feels like a more obvious no-brainer for Gamrod. But for Benio, I think there could be some positives to gain should he win. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. The other two fights on the card, mm-hmm. which one are maybe you more anticipating and just how do you feel about both matchups? It's weird. I'm more, I'm, I'm anticipating 
a better overall fight between Marina Rodriguez and Amanda Lemos, but it's the fight that I disagree with more, of course, out of the two, because what's my girl Marina got to do? What does she got to do, man? I get it. Like, stylistically, this is a super fun fight. It's two strikers. Marina's a great Muay Thai striker. Amanda Lemos carries the power to put anybody away and has good jujitsu, but... It just doesn't make sense, like, again, that kind of competitive standpoint. We've been kind of hinting at that more towards recent episodes, the way we feel the competitiveness should be on fights in terms of, like, rankings, where they should be for contender status, so on and so forth. Because Marina, in my eyes, has done more than enough to earn a title fight. But I get it. Zhang Weili's probably going to get Carla Esparza. What are you going to (laughs) do? But there's no reason that Marina should not be fighting Rosnama Yunus. I, I don't understand why they keep just delaying getting Marina in Marina's like mid thirties. She only has so many more years left in this game and she has an elite skill set, a fun fight style. I I don't understand why they kind of keep doing this to her, making her kind of fight back like this. But for Amanda Lemosh, she's all of a sudden another win away from entering herself into title uh, status. So we'll see how it goes. I do think it's a fun fight. Chukagian, uh, Fior, we've talked about kind of a lot already. I feel for Manon because they took her off the Paris card. Maybe I'm I'm assuming Caitlin just wasn't ready because she yeah. was on that date, got taken off. But then she's like, well, I'll do it, but take me off that date. So I think that's unfortunate, but still a big fight for her nonetheless, because if Manon wins, especially now with Misha Tate out of the title picture, she probably does get Valentina should she beat Chukagian. So we'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts kind of on the two? I, I feel like I feel similar to you in a lot of ways on these two, but I'm really, like, I'm so just not that pleased with the Rodriguez-Lemos fight that even though you're probably right, it'll probably be a better fight, I still find myself more excited for Chukagian-Fior because I'm I'm curious to just see can Manon pass that test. I mean, Chukagian is literally refusing to give up that number one spot. Yes. She won't lose, right? Even though we keep asking her to. <laughs> exactly. Manon with the win there surely is getting a title fight. I mean, that's how I would. If you beat Chukagian, I mean, hundred percent. Yeah, you have to get a title shot in that division. With Rodriguez Lemos, I mean, I don't necessarily feel how you feel about her getting Rose now, like. Maybe that is an obvious fight, but I don't know where Rose is at. I don't know where when she would be ready to come back. So I, I think, to your point about Rodriguez's age, she sort of just has to remain active to yeah. keep herself relevant, I guess, and, and keep herself, you know, all good. Yeah. But it, for her, to me, I think we even said this when, when that, that terrible Carla Rose title fight happened. Carla winning meant the biggest loser wasn't Rose losing her title. It was Marina Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah. Because if Rose wins that fight, I have no doubt that Marina gets the next title fight. Mm. Even over Wei Lee. I I firmly believe that. Yeah. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm over. I mean, I know the UFC loves Zhang Wei Lee, and they love what she brings for that China market. But Marina Rodriguez would clearly be the next in line. Yeah. Now the champion is someone who has a win over her. Yeah. Who is not a big draw. Right. Rodriguez, not a big draw. UFC, the idea of an Asparza Rodriguez title fight just seems so odd. Yeah, true. Like it doesn't really pop off the page, you know? Right. Like Asparza Wei Lee does. So to me, 
like this is such a tough pill to swallow for her to have to fight Lemosh, who is a yeah. tough opponent. But like I really she's just fight taking this fight to try to hold ground. Yeah. And she just got a win over Yam Jamban not too long ago. And that was a hard earned victory for her. Uh-huh. She's a top five opponent. Yeah. I mean, UFC's really getting a little wild with their matchmaking the last week. You know, that's why that's true. Like I love all these fight announcements, but man, they are more than ever kind of being like rankings. Who needs rankings? Yeah. They're they're it's blindfolding, fun. throwing shit at the dartboard and yeah. seeing where it hits. So uh, you know, I'm 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 hoping if Rodriguez wins that, like, I mean, I don't Please. know though, because when's Carla, uh, Carla Way Lee gonna happen? True. Hopefully by the end of the year. I sure hope so. Well, I, I thought Carla was injured, and actually she wasn't yeah. gonna be able to fight by the end of the year. I don't know. I just, to me, it feels like she's really a rock in a hard place. That is where I feel like Rena Rodriguez is just stuck, even though she yeah. keeps winning. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It really is. But Chukagian Fjord, I think that fight is set up perfectly that if Fjord wins, I mean, yeah, next time. Oh, yeah, so, has to be. To me, I'm more excited for that one just because of the implications. I, that makes sense. It does. <clears throat> Let's get into the rest because we got quite a bit more to talk about here, Dom. Let's start with one, 159. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we, we, we've sort of, just for full transparency, we want to be more involved with one. We want to, like, talk about one. But we don't. We're we're not privy to a lot of these names that are popping up on these cards. We're not um, been watching for very long for one. So for us to really preview a lot of these fights would almost be doing it a disservice. Yeah. So yeah. for us, putting it on these recaps is where you'll see it at yeah. least for the future. For for now, anyways. Mm-hmm. Maybe over time that'll change, but. We had to talk about the main event of this card. I mean, we didn't preview yes. it, but Renee Ritter, the the two division champ for one, the pound for pound best fighter in that whole company. He's maybe. so good, man. He got a first round submission over Vitaly Big Dash. I forget what time. I think it was for the welterweight title. I, I, that was light heavy. This one. Oh, it was light heavy. Oh, yeah. See, I'm all fucked up now. So, the for the light heavyweight title, I mean, submission of the year. Is what I would say. It's up there. It's got to be right next to uh, Jessica Andrade's. This was yeah. an inverted triangle choke down there on the ground. He is so good of a grappler. He he's already been like kind of looked at as like the best grappler in the world. Obviously, we're still newer to one, but we had still heard about Day Ritter coming into this, and the fact that he did this against a veteran in Vitaly Big Dash. I mean, the, the just everything about that whole sequencing. He was on his back, but then the way that he transitioned to get into that position and then put him to sleep with that choke. I mean, you don't see an inverted triangle every day. He is the pound-for-pound king right now in one uh, championship, two-weight division world champion. I mean, this kid is unreal. And I'm pretty sure he's undefeated, so it's insane. He is undefeated, and I mean, he – I would love – I mean, I try not to do this too much because I like – you know, one has him, and I kind of hope that – they're able to keep him just to remain, you know, I like having some balance to yeah. the different promotions, having their guys, but man, I can't help, but just want to see this guy compete against the best in the world. And I know. I, Cause I really think he could be maybe the best of his weight classes. If he were to even come over to the UFC. I mean, he is so good. Yeah. But it's just, yeah. we may not ever know fully 
like where does he stack up in terms of like all promotions you know yeah i know it's crazy back to the ufc co-main event jack hermanson gets the unanimous decision win over ohio's own chris curtis now i was fully anticipating Doc <laughs> coming on here and yeah uh, not acknowledging the ohio's own because uh a weird fight here yeah it was a fight that shouldn't it. have been that weird no like no. Jack Hermanson looked fantastic. Really did. Best striking we've ever seen him have. For yes. Sure. And it was all striking. No, yeah. I don't even know if he attempted a takedown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I was just bamboozled that he outstruck Chris Curtis. I think it just shows again. I said this on Thursday. I felt like I might have been underestimating Jack Hermanson just because of the recent string of performances, you know, against very high level competition. Yeah. You know what uh, you made a you you said an interesting thing about betting. And I know we're not at that point in the show, but you said your biggest <laughs> takeaway from this point in the year. You know, I'm, <laughs> we don't we really don't want to even get into it, but you know we got to do what we got to do. Right. Um, you said at at this you know halfway into the year, your biggest takeaway from your first six months in sports betting and you betting on MMA was how key momentum played. Yeah. I actually kind of feel almost the opposite where I almost feel like momentum is like a, like a Trojan horse, like a, like a um, fool's gold. Yeah. Like I feel like I tend to buy into the momentum and typically it ends up sort of like making me realize, holy shit, there's just levels to this game. We got to start fading the momentum. I'm not saying that that always works, and I know there's plenty of examples the other way, but here this was a clear example of one guy going this way and one guy going this way. Jack looked like a two-to-one. Huh? Jack looked like a two-to-one plus. Yeah. Chris Curtis writing a ton of momentum. Yeah. But this was his, his toughest test in his entire career. Yeah. And it just showed that, I mean, He's got a lot to work on if he really wants to be in this upper echelon. Right. And Jack Hermanson, a guy who has sort of firmly hit his ceiling, just put on maybe the best showing he's had in the UFC, maybe since he uh, – didn't he finish Jacare Souza back in the day? That might he be did, yeah. yeah. So, like, since then, that's the best we've ever seen him look. So yeah. it just shows that even a guy like Jack, who has been kind of a 500 guy, and you know, gets – outpointed for five rounds by Sean Strickland doesn't show a whole lot. Even his wins like Kelvin Gastelum, like he kind of walked away going, what the hell happened there? Like Kelvin yeah. Gastelum just kind of having a mental lapse. And here though, against a guy like Chris Curtis, who's not a ranked fighter, he looks like an absolute superstar. So maybe that should be a lesson to all of us. But to me, I mean, Chris Curtis, he, he rebounded. I won't try to harp on it too much. He he find he he met up with Jack Romanson. Yeah. Buried Apologies were shared. But boy, this fight, not a good look for him. You and it really was like he was so frustrated yeah. that he could not reach Jack, do yeah. anything to Jack, that he was blaming Jack for his failure essentially. Flipped but him Jack, the double birds at the very yeah. end. Yeah, it was you know, just he was leaving the cage, he flipped him the double birds. I mean Yeah. Yeah. Set. I mean, even at first, when he first we got back and he, to the to the back, and he was tweeting, he was saying, you know, I wasn't ready for a track meet. Yeah. And, 
Yeah. You know, it just, I'm like, man, Chris Curtis is such a nice guy. I'm I know. Like, we've he... never seen anything like yeah, that. Yeah, it's just like, like, I get it. Heat of the moment. But it, yeah. it felt like at first, you know, this is a guy that he, like, really believes that, like. Yeah. Like, to me, I thought Jack just looked terrific. Like Jack outclassed him, I think. Outclassed the... him. Yeah. Used his movement. He does have really good movement. Yeah. Like, as far as uh, he's bouncy. Like, he bounces on his feet. Real Dude, well. Jack's kicks. Oof. Yeah. And he yeah. just was able to stay out of range. Yeah, come in, pop, pop, get back out. And Chris yep. Curtis just wasn't able to make any adjustments to catch him. And yeah, like to me, just didn't feel like a performance where a guy was running away for fifteen minutes. No. Or something. No. Like I, I was just so puzzled by that response. I get it, you know, it's you're you're in the heat of the moment. It's yeah, like, God, he really just went a little overboard with it. And again, I know it's all kind of good now, but. You had to at least acknowledge. It. I mean, if you watch this fight, you're just going, what the hell is going? Yeah, why is he so mad? Basically, it's kind um, of the thought process. But yeah, I mean, I think this was a bit of a come back to earth moment on Chris Curtis a little bit. Just still a lot to work on. He's still very talented. Yeah, we're still rooting for him. He's Ohio. We're we, Ohio has claimed him again. Yes. Um, but big ups to know. both guys like doing that fight too. You know? Yeah, I mean, really, that should be acknowledged that, I mean, Chris Kurz did take this on very short notice. Even though he was very down on himself afterwards, he felt like he choked on his biggest stage. and I, Maybe in some ways, yes, but at the same time, like, he didn't have to take another short notice fight. I mean, his biggest test, his biggest moment, and he's taking it on short notice. Like, not, most guys don't have to do that, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, while the antics and all that were a little much, and I, I hope the UFC don't uh, hold that against him when it comes to his future it's sort of matchups. But right. um, Jack Romanson also didn't need to take this fight. He exactly. Could've, he could have pulled out as well and just tried to find another ranked opponent down the road. But, yep. um, yeah, credit to both guys. Both guys seems like very stand-up dudes. They made up afterwards. I won't yeah. harp on the, the negatives. You know. There we go. <laughs> Uh, next one, Nikita Krylov, first round, first minute knockout of Alexander Gustafson. Yeah. Did this one surprise you? <laughs> well. Like, I'm curious what you really thought going in because I will say it shocked me. Yeah, I technically actually did predict Nikita Krylov first round KOTKO mm-hmm. on the uh, on the app. On, but uh, on verdict. Uh, yeah, verdict. But, um, you know. I just I don't like this whole retire, unretire, retire, unretire. I love Alexander Gust, uh, Gustafson. I love that they you see how they were announced him as the Hall of Famer because he's in yeah. the, the fight wing with John Jones. Weird. Yeah, yeah, a little weird, but yeah, I mean, big ups to this guy. He's done a lot. He really has been a great fighter, but his time has passed. It's that simple. And Nikita Krylov came out very fast, didn't let up, and it looked like Gus hadn't fought in two years. That's what it looked like. So Krylov needed a big win against a big name, and he did just that in uh, in a little over a minute. So uh, Krylov back on track. Gus, does he fight again? Maybe. Do I need to see him fight again? No. I, I He's done everything there is to be done. Fought for the title three times. No, he never won it, but DC said it best on Twitter. One of the best fighters. Again, he's in that category in UFC history to never win a title. That's where yeah. I feel like Gus. No, you summed it up very well. I will say I was very surprised. I think I was still hopeful that we might see some some of that Gustafson 
not I didn't expect him to come back and be fighting the way he fought like whoever to share out where he no. just looked yeah. immaculate. But I thought he may have something left. And against a guy like Krylov, who had also just been struggling, this might be the right opponent at the right time to kind of get back on track and yeah. maybe kind of have a late resurgence to his career. Um and it kind of blew up in my face a little bit. I think that yeah. that's just the way it goes sometimes. But um, this couldn't have been a worse outcome, I guess. If you really, I mean, this it wasn't like a, a boring decision, and you kind of walk away going, "Well, Gustafson can maybe fight again." But like you know, again, you don't need to see it. But he, you know, didn't take a ton of damage. No, he got knocked out. I mean, yeah, yeah. We don't see that from Gus. Yeah, and. um a bit sad, a bit sad. It's sad. Just like a minute, seven seconds. I mean, this guy probably had been really working hard for this yeah. comeback, and you know, it, it it is. It was kind of the sad moment of the card, and yeah, I mean, for Nikita Krylov, though, big bounce back. Yeah, yeah. But the dude continues moment. his finishing ways. Yeah. It's just crazy. Still. And, that, and that commenter from back in the day who had to remind me about <laughs> yeah. the finishing yeah, just continues to be right. Right, right. Molly McCann, Dom, makes it two in a row with the spinning shit. She gets the TKO over Hannah Goldie in round one. Um, this fight hurt me for reasons I'll get into later. <laughs> but I got to say, man, Molly McCann, confidence can do an amazing thing to somebody. Yeah. Um, she This just... back-to-back first-round finishes for a girl who I don't know if she had a finish in the UFC before Prior. her last fight. And here she is two in a row. Um, I'll be curious to see kind of where she goes from here because she had a couple interesting call-outs, Dom. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. you you want to give any thoughts on the fight before I tell you about those call-outs? Um, no, Molly does what Molly does. She's a great boxer, and then to get a finish with another spinning back elbow. Brought crazy. the crowd to life. I mean, this Fucking was before crazy. the Patty fight. This was the first like moment where people were out of their seats. Probably, yeah. Right? Jumped into Dave's lap. That was hilarious. By that the way, hilarious. she's the other barstool athlete. Yeah, it was sick. So she had two different callouts. One that I just thought was the best callout I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and I'm going to read it verbatim here. Let me let me pull it up real quick. Yeah, pull it up word for word. Look, this. You, there's been a lot of great call-outs. You know, I am not impressed by your performance. Uh, I want to – well, this one's actually similar to Vanderlei Silva's call-out of Chuck Liddell where he's like, oh. I want to fuck, fight, Chuck. Yes. Fuck, Chuck. Yeah, yeah. So here's what Molly McCann had to say afterwards. Random Maverick, I will fuck you anywhere you want to be fucked, not in a good way. Right. Got a bit uh got a bit vulgar there at first. That you know? is the best call out I've ever heard in my life. I mean, yeah. yeah. For, for a sport that we so often hear like fighting and fucking like interchangeably. <laughs> yeah. I just love that she had to acknowledge yeah. not in a gay way though. Right, right. Um, so what do you think of Miranda Maverick as a potential opponent? That's a great fight. Miranda even tweeted back and said, Let's do it. I think that's the fight to make. Do that, Madison Square Garden, right? You want to put the two scousers yep. on the I MSG card? Her Madison her. Square Garden as well. And um, that's a fight that the winner gets back into top 15 in the women's flyweight division, in my opinion, as well. So I, I, that's the bigger fight in terms of, like, Random Maverick. And I, I think she's in the rankings now, right? She's back yeah. in. The, I'll take a look. She kind of has gone in and out. and Yeah. I, I think she's in there. But – um. Maybe a lesser opponent, but I'm curious what you'll think of this. Antonina Shevchenko, she also called out. Ooh, 
I like that one too. Dare I say, I kind of like it more than in terms of. So, even though I thought Hannah Goldie was a little bit better than her record showed, you know, Luana Carolina, kind of a borderline UFC fighter. Hannah Goldie, I mean, maybe a step above that. I'm not even sure anymore now after what happened, but I thought it was a step up. I feel like going from her to Miranda Maverick is a pretty big leap. But if you go yeah. from her to Shevchenko, I like that a lot. Uh, yeah, I I do like that. I think she has a, um, like a better chance to like even finish Antonina yeah. Shevchenko. But dude, what if she goes in there and were to finish Miranda Maverick? I don't know. I do like both those fights. Either one, I'm gonna sign off on. But uh, I with that call out of Miranda. That's I gotta keep that at number one. I mean, it is the best call. Out <laughs> I mean, there's a, right. there's nothing. Right. Any of the Chael Sun and call out like none of them. <laughs> yeah, none yeah. of them better than that one. Right. Uh, following that, Dom Jonathan Pierce JSP continues his winning ways. Actually, interesting enough, I looked at this fight as kind of his. Um, he sort of got over the hump of the veteran fighters because his lone loss in the UFC was a pretty quick finish loss he took on short notice in his debut to Joe Lozon. Yep. I feel like this was a bit of a, you know, um, I don't know, what what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, a bounce back, even though it's not because it's against a completely different opponent. But he got a veteran again in Makwan Amir Khani, and he looked great. I thought JSP looked great here. Yeah, I think this is a performance that's going to fly under the radar that not a lot of people are going to talk about, which is unfortunate because JSP looked amazing in this fight. He dominated this fight from start to finish, escaped the early submission attempts from Maquan, which were basically the only threat that he had to be worried about. And once he got out of those, dominated, cut him up real bad, got the finish. It was the first finish at the time on the card, the only finish of the entire eight-fight prelims, um, and it came in a big way. So that's a huge win. He's won four in a row now since that debut loss, like you said, to Joe Lozon. The dude's like a legit talent, I believe. So. Yep, completely agree. Muhammad Mohayev also went to the judges' scorecards in his second UFC bout, got the sweep over Charles Johnson via unanimous decision. Um, how would you sort of grade Mohayev's sophomore showing here in the UFC? Well, he came in and just absolutely steamrolled Cody Durnan. And Cody Durnan's coming off a huge win recently that everybody cashed money on that under two and a half. Ooh, but this one against Charles Johnson, yeah, he didn't get a finish, but I don't need to see that every time because Charles Johnson was a two weight champion in LFA, like a legitimate talent here that Muhammad Mohayev dominated from start to finish. Had 10 plus takedowns, over 26 takedown attempts, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the dude's just relentless. His pre- his pressure, his pace, the dude does not get tired. He took Charles Johnson to Suplex City a time or two in this fight as well. I just thought he looked great. He did everything shy of getting a finish. Like, he just was nonstop from start to finish. It's crazy. Yeah, the gas dude. tank, 21 years old, by the way. That's the thing. It's like you can grade it however you want. You can say, you know, maybe it's not an A, a showing, but it's yeah. like a strong B plus or whatever. Yeah. Yes. But you got to put it in perspective. The dude's only 21 years old. He can barely drink alcohol. I mean, this guy is, he's, he feels like the future of the flyweight division. Yep. I was about to say that. Yeah. Um, And I thought, and I actually think his opponent, Charles Johnson, I like his background. Like, I actually want to see him back, even though he didn't get a chance to really show a ton here. But um, against maybe opponents a little bit lower on the totem pole. 
Yeah. I think he could be a real player maybe down the road. Maybe he can welcome Jimmy Flick back out of retirement. That'd be <laughs> fun. <fucks. laughs> yeah, see, I like where your mind goes. Just <laughs> didn't even think about that one. I do like that. I like that a lot, actually. Man, that was what a rabbit <laughs> out of the hat you pulled there. Let's I want to ask it. one more question about UFC London before we move on. I'm going to force you to be a little negative here because oh boy, I have to try to pry the negatives out of Dom sometimes. But uh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, we we kind of have talked a lot about disappointment with this card, so I think it would be we would be amiss to not try to at least let the viewers know kind of where does that stem from, right? So mm. we talked about a lot of the the big performances, the big fights on the card, but out of all the fighters we saw here, out of all the fights. Who do you think was sort of the biggest disappointment on this card in terms of what you expected versus what you got? Maybe I hinted at it already earlier when we were talking about Bellator and Jason Jackson, but I probably am going to go Mark Jacasey because coming into this card, he was like the lock of the night for me. I felt mm-hmm. like that was a guarantee he was going to win. When he What he did to uh, Slava Claus in Columbus, again, destroyed my bet slip that night, but just he looked phenomenal he destroyed slava claus for 15 straight minutes yeah it wasn't that exciting but it was like a win to really get him back on track that's what he needed then he comes in here against demir hadzovic a guy that is a good kickboxer but other than that held no real advantages in this fight and jacasey's a phenomenal striker in his own right so if it stayed on the feet longer i don't even know if he demir would have looked that much better than him on the feet either but Jacasey, much like what I was saying with Bisbing and Paul Felder, they kept saying he's so good. He has talent. He's got better and better because he came into the UFC at like 22 or 23 years old. He's been in there for a long time. He used to be very exciting, too. Yeah, yes. the Red Mohawk was in super fun fights. He fought um, Rafael Fazeev. They had a good fight, striking battle. And he has evolved his skill set. It's clear as day how much better he's gotten over the years but he's got to take that next step and really look to get finishes now because he dominated this fight against Hadjavit from start to finish on the ground. Relentless takedowns, it came with ease, and then he would just get four minutes of top control per round. I bet he had over 12 minutes of top control, but he never did anything with it. And he's 29 now in his prime. I do believe in his talent because I know how good he is on the feet, and now I know how good he is on the ground, but you've got to at some point flip that switch or the UFC isn't going to push you the way that your skill set probably allows you to be pushed. So I, I'll i go with Mark Jacasey because, again, like I said, he was the lock of the night. I truly thought he's going to win this fight over anyone else I felt the most confident with. He just didn't do it the way I kind of expected him to do it, I'll say. I'm going to go with maybe a, someone we haven't talked about yet, Mason Jones. Mason yeah, Jones. that was my borderline. I actually thought it was interesting you picked someone who ended up winning their fight, but I understand the the yeah. reason behind it because you know Jacasey. We thought the Slava Claus one might have been just kind of an outlier, and then he does back to back kind of just. I mean, they're wins, but you know, yeah. Like, you know, what do you take away from that, right? Exactly. Um, Mason Jones. Yeah, I'm gonna and I'm gonna ask you a trivia question. <laughs> I think it's an easy one, but we'll see. Um, Mason Jones is a only the second guy in Cage Warriors to hold two titles in two different weight classes. Who was the first? That would be Conor McGregor. <laughs> right. So, I mean, this guy was like an absolute stud. And yeah. He's just – the David Onama fight, he looked great. Yeah, it was a crazy fight. Dude. And besides that, though, it's just not – there's, there's a lot of – he's kind of green. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. It feels Ludovic, that way. Ludovic Klein's a good opponent, and that's why I didn't put any money on Mason Jones. I just I felt like that fight was a little closer than the odds said. Yes. But I still favored Mason Jones to win, and it just he really didn't show a whole lot here. And it's mm-hmm. like it's just disappointing because you know how good he can be, how fun he can be to watch. But it almost feels like he has to have the right opponent to even showcase that. Like he can't stay off his back here against Ludovic Klein. It was uh, just very disappointing. Well, yeah, he showed a couple chinks in kind of the fight IQ because in that third round, you kind of knew he was down. I thought round one was pretty close, but everybody else said it was pretty convincingly for Klein, which, you know, it's whatever. It was 30 27 on the scorecards. But round three, with like four minutes and 15 seconds, the round had just started essentially. He tried to pull a triangle choke, and then he's on his back for the whole round. That just kind of showed the the fight IQ still is something that needs to be worked on because when you're down 2-0, and they kind of acknowledge that in his corner, you're down. Yeah, I respect it. You're going for the sub, but it wasn't even like the greatest of pulls. Yeah. And then he gets down there, and he's stuck on his back, and he couldn't get back up against a guy that's known for his striking. So there's holes there still in the game for Mason Jones. Him and uh, Jack Shore leading the charge for Welsh MMA. I still believe in Mason. Obviously, I still believe in Jack Shore, but there's just a couple little things that I think are going to get We'll have to see it sooner rather than later. He's 1-2-1 and one now in the mm-hmm. UFC. That's uh, yeah. not the prettiest of records. I mean, not that he can't come back from that. A lot of guys have started out on rougher patches and have done pretty well. Just look at Charles Oliveira. <laughs> yeah. But, um, to me, I, what's funny is when I was watching it live, or I guess listening to it live, but when I watched it back later, that submission was what I was right. That's the only part of the fight I was really interested in seeing. Mm-hmm. And when it came, I was actually kind of impressed. I was like, Oh, he like went for the Hail Mary. Yeah. But then I think you're kind of right. When I think about it now, like, I mean, did you really have to go for a Hail Mary? Like, like, I mean, considering you had struggled so much on your back already. Right. And you went for a Hail Mary submission that didn't really look like all that um, high percentage. Yeah, and then all you're just on your back for the rest of the round. Like, felt like maybe there might have been. You have a lot of. If this was like with one minute left, maybe. Then yeah, exactly. But like you know, this was at the start of the round. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But um, we'll move on to Bellator two eighty three. Some more to talk about there. Actually, the undercard for Bellator two eighty three had a lot of just Uh good fights, good takeaways. Um, I'll try to group some together here just so we can more efficiently kind of talk about it. Uh, Two. Big, I can't even call them prospects anymore because they're like literally <laughs> no. rankings ranked so high. But when you focus on this card, I mean, I think this card might have been it kind of felt like just sort of one of those cards, like it's a solid but unspectacular for Bellator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think this card might be sort of a, a pinpoint that we can look at in the future for when we really saw two guys raised to that championship level. And that's Usman Nurmagomedov and Dalton Rasta. Usman Nurmagomedov, you may have already thought was there. I kind of already thought that. But um, just disposing of another good opponent, Chris Gonzalez, as quickly as he did. But Dalton Rasta getting matched up with sort of his equal in terms of how the Bellator viewed them to two homegrown guys that in the same division who were looked at as maybe the future. And he just looked fantastic against Romero Cotton, putting him away in round three, really going for the fish, even though he had already won the first two rounds. Had a Superman punch. Yeah. I mean, these two guys, 
big standouts here on this card. Yeah, 100%, man. They have to be. Usman, obviously undefeated for a reason. We get to say that every so often. I didn't realize he was ranked number three in the weight class, I think. So I was was still calling this guy a prospect. Meanwhile, he's literally the equivalent of, like, what, Justin Gaethje at at his weight class for Bellator? Well, that's why when you were leading this discussion, when you were grouping, I thought you were going to do him and Tafik Musayev because they're both at lightweight. Tafik beat the number one guy. But... You know, to your point, Usman is just absolutely unbelievable, but he did what you expect him to do. The guy dominates everybody that he fights. He's finished, I think, 13 out of 15 wins now. But the Dalton roster performance, I think, speaks more volumes because he was facing another undefeated guy. Another guy, as Noah said, molded in Bellator, much like him and Romero Cotton, and he dominated the fight. He looked great in the whole fight, but then to cap it off with a finish says even more. He launches himself. I think he's going to be number seven. Honestly, I'd bump him up even more. I don't know. The Bellator ranks are a little shaky. I don't know it as well as the UFC rankings. Guy looks like a future title contender. Both guys look like future title contenders. Dare I say both of them look like future champions? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I think you could probably, depending on how the future shakes up, this could be a card you pinpoint. Like, look at the future champions that are on this card. Yes. I mean, even Roman Feraldo in the the pre-match. This guy literally is – this guy just does highlight real finishes all the time. Remember, yeah, exactly. I mean, he did it again against Louise. I'm not even going to give it an attempt. I mean – Fair. He get it, and, he knocked and out Louise. And he has – and he has mm-hmm. – is that – That right? might be it, right? That's actually. my Yankee way of trying to say that one. So, I mean, Roman Feraldo, I can't wait to see what this guy does against higher-level competition because he is electric. Yeah, yeah, his knockout last year was that flying knee, and he, like, pointed at him. That was savage as shit. Then he gets another out-cold KO against Luis Inihis. Is that what you said now? So, yeah, that's ultra-impressive. And then, I mean, how do we even speak about Tafik Musayev's? I know, I can't believe I I, I kind of fucked up by, like, kind of... No, you're good. I got why you grouped them, though. Yeah, I mean, Musayev is the biggest winner of the card, for sure. I Because he's getting a title fight. There's no doubt about it. He better. This guy makes his debut in Bellator and gets put up with the guy who was supposed to be fighting on this card yeah. for the title against Patricky Pitbull. Pitbull had to pull out. Shout out to Sydney Outwell for taking the fight, but man, yeah. yeah. Hindsight's 2020, but 27 seconds is all it took for Musayev to put him away. Um, talk about a statement. Yes. Tofik Musayev, give this man all the title fights right now. Yeah, and you got to think Bellator's got to capitalize on that, man. They have to. They know the history between him and over Patricky Pitbull. Exactly, exactly. And I can't wait to see it. And then the winner of that versus Usman Nurmagomedov, I mean. Yep. There's your next two fights right there at lightweight title-wise. Just, hey, guys, write us a check if you want to. I don't care. Just don't steal our ideas like the UFC anyways. uh, Marcelo Gome, I also wanted to mention his fight with Davion Franklin. I mean, for heavyweights, this was just a great fight. I mean, just, yeah. I will say Bellator heavyweights have really been bringing it. Like, the guys more on the undercard. They yeah. had some really fun fights with this division this year. and uh, This one was just another one. Two guys I didn't know much about coming in. Marcelo Gome getting that third-round submission with only 24 seconds left in the round. Just, I mean, awesome stuff. Going for broke, going for the finish. Unranked guy beating number eight Davion Franklin. Welcome yeah. to the top ten. I mean, that's what yeah. it is. Exactly. Let's move on to the below average bet slip. And are you sure? 
Yeah. <laughs> Below average, it is. Yeah, damn right. We uh we really acknowledge that name this week, that's for yeah, sure. I was really going through it in the group chat. Um I said a lot of things in the group chat, some things I'm not even proud of, you know. Yeah. I think Dom was uh, Dom was just getting I was just getting abuse. I was giving abuse left and right to this card. <laughs> yeah. The card really wasn't as bad as I um was saying in the moment. But man, like this not only did the card disappoint, from a, this was a complete betting disaster. I disaster. Mean, anything that could have went wrong went wrong here. Yeah. I think this now surpasses UFC 2. I was going to ask that. I don't know for sure. Actually, I can let you know here in a second. Because this um, was my second worst event. UFC 275 was my worst, personally, of the year. And I love that the first Bellator, or sorry, UFC card, um, I'm buying time while you pull that up, but the first London card, I uh, had my best week or one of the best weeks of the year. And then UFC London 2, I had my second worst betting day of the year. So that's great. So this does not quite pass UFC 275. <laughs> UFC 275, we went minus 7.45. Oh, wow. So wow. We, we ever so slightly edge that one out here yeah, yeah you gotta love combining uh minus 15 units within a month of each other that's great shout out to I mean, us all the positive momentum i built for myself over the last month just gone yeah I mean, it yeah. was that south park meme where he's like and it's gone like, exactly he, i mean it was literally just this this I, this hurt me so bad i mean just Every fight, it was like, oh my gosh! I mean, I knew as soon as Herbert Nelson went to round three, I went, oh no! I had bad voodoo there too. That yeah, was that a, was our biggest combined bet. Doesn't it suck time. when we lose that one? Yeah. Oh I mean, man. Me, I thought that was like a lock. Yeah. And even Paul Craig Vulcan oozed to me. I mean, what, what a weird fight that was. Yeah. That's kind of the bad side of Paul Craig fights sometimes. Like he's so adamant about pulling guard and like yeah. time for submissions. Sometimes you just get a fight like that where it's like, what is happening here? I yeah, mean, yeah. Just a not a good fight. We didn't even talk about it. It's just, I mean, that's why. It's just like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then, I mean, the the one that, like, this is where I hit rock bottom. My parlay. Molly has now ruined a parlay for me and one for you. This Dude. is hilarious. And, I mean, shout out to Molly McCann because I mean, yeah. it was just an awesome performance. But. Muhammad Mahayev, Nathaniel Wood, probably the two biggest standouts of the prelims in terms of like, I mean, I know we didn't talk about Nathaniel Wood. But he, he looked amazing. Awesome. He looked awesome. Yeah. Um, then we get to the third leg. <laughs> Molly McCann, Hannah Gould. If I had picked almost any <laughs> other fight yeah. on this card to go over one and a half rounds, this cashes. Yeah. And I picked the one fight, like one of, what three fights that ended in the first round? Yeah, yeah. That hurt me. Pain. Yeah, I mean, I literally I could have had better odds if I had went with if I had picked the other women's fight. Like I, yeah. This was the one that I said, "What fight am I most confident going over a round and a half?" And I said this one. Yeah, we can no longer, and that's the funny thing too. It's not even that we're picking against Molly. I had her to go the distance. You had her to go over one and a half. She she finished in the third round for my parlay, and then in this one she finishes near the end of the first round. So it's like uh, Molly McCann. We're just going to start betting her to not go the distance, essentially. <laughs> so, but and yeah, then, look at the parlays there. 
they're then, all one leg shy. Yeah, and then the Krylov Gustafson fight happens, and there's a glimmer of hope. True. Because I mean, we literally lost like our first five bets. I think we were like minus. I mean, we were just we was, had no green at all. Yeah, yeah, it was a disaster. And then the Krylov Gustafson fight happens, and I text Dom. Maybe this was bad mojo or bad vibes <laughs> on my part. I said, Dom, there's a glimmer of hope. And he yeah. said, Is there a chance for us to go green? And there wasn't. <laughs> But I said we can at least salvage this. Yeah, yeah. And then the main event happens with Tom Aspinall. I mean, Dom has the money line play. I had Tom Aspinall in a pretty good parlay with Patty Pimblet. I mean, just I was walking into B Dubs to eat dinner, so I was okay. So I, they were my my stepdad's driving us. Yeah, I'm I'm watching on my phone. We get out of the car. Bruce is announcing. Curtis Blades. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna put the phone away and walk in. I walk in and <laughs> Rob, my stepdad, he goes, "Oh no, they do have the fights on." It was like on the big TV. Yeah, yeah. And all I see is that the fight's over. And I'm like, "Huh? <laughs> what the fuck happened?" It's over. <laughs> and then they just showed the whole fight again, and I went, "Oh, you've got to be fist <laughs> And my mom's like, "What did you just say?" And I said, yeah. "You've got to be fist What my betting or you like you? Yeah. I get vulgar with the betting. I mean, I can't help it. But, yeah, yeah, it's um, crazy. It's just, I mean, it's one of those weeks. It happens. Yeah. It happens. It's tough. Yeah. It's a tough pill to swallow. I mean, again, it just—it was a weird card. Like, there's no bet. There's not a bet on here that is a bad bet, in my opinion. Maybe listen. If I regret one, I don't have many regrets betting. Maybe Paul Craig, but I had to ride with my dude. He cashed. Well, I don't, actually, I feel like you're Paul Craig because that plus money. I mean, I feel like the Paul right. Craig that, like the Chris Curtis one, he kind of got outclassed. But yeah, like to me, like, but a lot of people were riding with Chris Curtis, and that's why it was yeah. so close odds wise. Like I look around, Jacasey Jones parlay. I thought that was. I mean, what's the, I was actually more concerned about Jacasey, I think, which is so funny how you were. Yeah. That was your lock. Um, like, I really thought that parlay, Mahayev would over. I wanted to get a three leg parlay that I thought this will hit. Yeah. And it still didn't hit. Three leg right. parlays are just. We have a, to trash like, them. They're done. Yeah. They're a disaster on, on this show. It's, uh, yeah, it's tough, guys. But, you know, what? Hey. <laughs> Listen. And I'm so intimidated because we're coming off of our second worst week ever collectively. And now we have to go into a pay-per-view week. I have hardly won anything on pay-per-views throughout the entire year. I'm a bit scared. I'm going to be honest. I mean, Dom, he's still, he's doing a lot better than I am as far as if you go our head-to-head numbers. But what's so funny was I, so when I text Dom on Wednesday, with my, I always text him my picks, and it's kind of like me saying, "Hey, go ahead and send me yours." Yeah, what we're all doing. Yeah. And um, he texts me back. And he's like, "I'll send them to you in a little bit. I want to make sure that like I, I get the smart picks this week." Like Dom was like in the lab, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. I could tell he was like really crunching the numbers and stuff. And then we come out with minus seven. <laughs> so it's just it's the name of the game, guys. I mean, this this is what makes the that last month. Like I, I took it for granted. I did. I yeah. Like I just I was on such a high, and you know this brings you right back down to earth. Literally, I mean, it literally just all my positive progress <laughs> that just zapped in the, on a single card. Yeah. So, yeah, we we found ourselves in the negative once before and we fought out, but no, we got a little bit dig, bigger of a hole to dig ourselves out of this time. But 
Yes, that's that is true, Dom. Um, let's get into closing statements. Let's do. It. You guys know where to find us on social media. You know, we'll the, remember consistently one day. Yeah, the Twitter, the Instagram, you know, it's up there. Baj yeah. underscore MMA podcast. I'm on Twitter, Instagram at nt baker underscore dom. Twitter, Instagram at dsleep14. But that's not how we end the show around here. We yes. end the show with closing statements. It's part of the show where we can talk about anything and everything, MMA related or not. So. For this Monday episode, Dom, do you have any closing statements to send us off into the week? Does anyone out there have a Blackstone griddle? Because they have become super popular lately in the cooking realm. You know, the backyard, the grill out parties, pool parties, so on and so forth. Now, I'm not much of a cook, and it's sad. I wish I I need to just learn and commit to being better because my dad's pretty damn good at it. He does a lot of the cooking for the family. And he has found, he, he goes in phases. He uses the griddle all the time. It's way better than like a normal grill. You can basically cook anything on it. It's, it's awesome. It, look into it if you don't have one. But, and the flavor is completely different too. And he goes through phases where we find this thing and he really nails it. And he'll make that consistently a lot. Yeah, uh, Like at one point it was chicken stir fry. Some rice, some veggies, some chicken. Really good. Um... Uh, at one point, he was doing a lot of breakfast on there, so like pancakes, eggs, and bacon all together on the griddle. Right now, he's dialing in the street tacos. You've already and, talked about this on here, I think, before. Oh, yeah, shit. Maybe tacos. I have. Well, we had him again last night after yeah. the fights, and I was really down in the dumps after yeah. the fights last night because yeah. the bets went to shit. Tom Aspidal, one of my favorite fighters, blew his damn knee out. We've had two back-to-back main events in via injury that were supposed to be great fights. But the street tacos gave me life last <laughs> night. And I put down seven of them last night. And I, yeah. I was just really hammering some food. So I'm just saying the griddle, the Blackstone griddle, worth having. Street tacos, they give me life when I need it most. Hey, I like that. I, well, this was kind of an update because you had said your dad was starting to delve into street yeah. tacos. Okay. It yeah. looks like he's really nailed it. He's nailing it. Your, your point. I want to give you guys a story about my experience, um, not the moving part, of, but just I consider myself a pretty smart guy. Yeah, we're very educated. I just had this this weekend. I think I just lost my brain. Like I just lost it. Like I've just I mean, I'm the big dummy this weekend. I don't I don't know what happened, but it started um, when I drive home. I don't like to drive in like my work clothes, mm-hmm. you know, jeans and like a polo. It's like a, I'm already cramped. You want to be comfortable. Yeah. So normally I'll like leave, go back to my apartment, change into like something like I'm wearing now, and drive home. Well, I decided since I had my suitcase with me at work, I'm like, well, I'm just going to change in the bathroom like after work. And I'm like, nobody will care because I'm just leaving if I'm wearing, you know, this basically when I have on. Mm hmm. You know, showing off tattoos and whatnot. I was for a while there. I was a little nervous about trying to change in the bathroom and people like seeing my tattoos and stuff and being like, uh, "My heavens!" Like, yeah, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I I go and change in the bathroom and carry my clothes out. Go go to my car. I'm driving home. About thirty minutes into my drive, I get a call from um. My, I guess I'll just call him my boss, but okay. Uh, he calls me. And he says, hey, did you hear from um, 
someone else that I work with, and I'm like, uh, no, I, I haven't been able to check my phone. I've been driving, so I don't know if, like, they tried to text me, and he goes, yeah, you left your wallet. Like, it, it was in the bathroom. Oh. And I was like, oh, it was in the bathroom. Like, it, it must have fell out of the back pocket of my jeans. Yeah. And uh, he goes, yeah, do you want me to, like, you know, do you want me to wait here and you come back and get it? Or, you know, what do you want to do? And I was, like, 30 minutes in. Oh, shit. I thought about it, and I went, I don't need it. I said, I'm going home. You know, my meals will be – I'll just have right. – you know, I, I, I pay for meals with my family sometimes. I'm just saying – Right. This time I was like, okay, they'll just pay for my meal Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be moving and stuff, so it's not even like I'm gonna have to, you know. You'll pay. need it. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, hey, can you just lock it up at your in your office for me and I'll get it Monday? So yeah, no problem. So I drive home and then the next morning I drive to BG. Again, I'm still like I think I'm good. I'm just like, yeah, it sucks. Like I don't want to get the risk getting pulled over with right. You don't have your stuff. Because I'm like, I never leave my house without my wallet. Like, I just always have that thing on. But it's the phone wallet keys, you know yep. what I mean? That's oh, the... yeah, that's what we used to say. <laughs> yep, at BG. Yep, it was always phone wallet <laughs> keys. Never leave without it. Well, um, I, I'm driving home from BG, and my mom calls me. And just to, or I called her just to let her know I was on my way back. And I told her, I, I, I wasn't going to tell her at first, but I told her, I was like, oh, look how funny I am, like how stupid I am. I left my wallet in Indiana. And she wasn't happy, you know, because she's just like, oh, my God, what if you get pulled over, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Mom stuff, right? And then uh, she goes, well, I hope you have enough gas. And I went, uh-huh. Oh. Oh, shit. I look down. Meanwhile, I have an hour, 45 minutes to go. Under a quarter, take a guess. Oh. Oh, dude. I didn't even think about that until you just said it. So I was in your shoes just now. You really brought me along with the emotions there. So I'm still driving. But meanwhile, I am just like. I'm you, the, did you get that pit? Kind of yeah, like. The Mr. Krabs meme. Where like <laughs> everything's all like hazy. <laughs> that's me now. Yeah. Yeah. Right, but I play it off on the phone. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll see you soon, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if not, I'm on the side of the road. So, so I'm driving still for a while. And I'm like, I, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what to do here. I'm just driving to nowhere right now. Yeah, yeah. So finally, my little like symbol, the little symbol. Oh like, no, little, the light came on. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, I gotta just pull. I gotta go some to a gas station and try to figure this out. Yeah. So I go, I find a shell station. I made sure to go to like a gas station that like I I know. I worked at a shell station. Yeah, true. That's true. like it's like blood, you know. So right, yeah. right. So I, I find one in like literally Wapakoneta, like just that's north. where we got pulled over that one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. So uh nothing town and <laughs> right. they did all their good for us pulling over Dom. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm at this shell station and I'm like, okay. What am I going to do? Yeah. And then it came to me. Apple Pay. Oh, you can Apple Pay for gas? Yes. Inside. I did not know that. Inside. And it's only at certain stations, but. Yeah, you were kind of betting here. Luckily, 
when I worked at Shell, I remembered people would come in and pay for gas and they would just put their phone up to it. And I was like, what the? <laughs> you, what the fuck? <laughs> so I had never used it before, but I checked. And some time ago, my drunk ass had set up my credit <laughs> card and banking information on the wallet on Apple. Yeah. On so I was able to use it to pay for gas and get home. That is a story right there. We've had a lot of closing statements since we started this segment. That is a hell of a story. Roller coaster, dare I say. I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salee. We're the Blue Average Joes. And we'll see you on Thursday. Bye-bye.